Blog Talk Radio. When I was five, hired out to watch a baby And he beat me when he cried I consider that too much of a price Even though I'm thick-skinned, some of the scars Stay with me for life I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other cheek Putting up a fight to me and my people's all are free Four brothers, four sisters, thick family I'm the fourth child, you following mathematically God's in my veins, I can feel it in my soul Three older sisters never seen again when they were sold When they came for my brother, my mom's made them a promise Whoever tried to take him, she split and open your noggin Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm alive wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now with seizures Dr. Lepsy And strange dreams From the tribe of Asante Through grandma Modesty Being free Holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train And it's Something like traffic I'm happy as a conductor I ain't never lost a passenger I'm plotting on my escaping I'm married and feeling patient I'm out with no debating You silly for conversating I'm breaking and while you waiting And I'll make it I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel And be back for you as base September 17th 1849 Me and my brothers Henry and Ben Said it's mine So we left for Maryland Headed towards freedom land But they feet chill lead up So we turned around and went Back to the owners Believe me I didn't wanna Had I knew my brothers was scared with in the bottom A little while later Man I ran away again But this time Straight dolo fan Backs to the wind In the middle of the night In the winter In the cold I was navigating On the underground railroad Nah It ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance Just with the railroad theme So a station's a safe house Where the runaways go And the runaway slaves Are considered cargo The person who hit them Considered a station master And the stockholders The one who will put the cash up Me I'm the conductor I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret I took an old boss of my train you get on There is no rebelling grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, point it at your head and bring the devil out There's no going back, besides you gon' snitch And I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip Running from slave catchers, a bounty on my head Until my whole fam free, I don't really care Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips I done free so many slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War. Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead an armed assault. I am Harriet Tubman. You need to fall back and conduct another Good afternoon, everyone. That was Larry Lop Henderson with Harry Tugman. Harriet Tugman, the conductor. Talking about the Underground Railroad, trying to bring you a little education through rap and reach the babies. How Ever he and we can. Once again, welcome. My name is Rodney Smith in the air chair solo today. Coming to you on a Monday, a Monday afternoon instead of our regular Saturday afternoon at 1230. And coming to you at 3 o'clock. Yes, a little different. Well, many of you know I am running for Congress here in Nevada, representing Nevada's 4th Congressional District, and every once in a while the schedule just gets 
a little beyond my ability to get everything in. But I did not want too much time to go without talking about this topic. And our topic for today's show on Our Own Voices Live, the topic title is Sexual Harassment Becoming Trivialized. Is Sexual Harassment Becoming Trivialized. But before we go on with tell you a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. And not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us and some of the ways that we go about it is shows like Our Own Voices Live. We get to bring topics to you that, well, maybe you get to hear someplace else and just maybe you don't. But you for sure will get to hear it here and get to comment. We also have Our Own Voices Live in social media. Uh, Our Own Voices on Facebook. You can get Our Own Voices on Twitter. Our Own Voices on YouTube and Google, just Our Own Voices. And, of course, a personalized page for the radio show, Our Own Voices, live on Facebook. Uh, Some of the other things that we do is this all originated from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine, and we are working hard to bring that back to you the first of the year. That's right. Look out. Here we come. Because it gives us another vehicle and another opportunity to reach more people. And, after all, that is what started out the Speak Up Network that came about because of Our Own Voices Live. We also have weekly forums, weekly events, like we do the gathering at the Westside Bistro inside of, inside of Nevada Pardons, which is located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Once again, that's the Westside Bistro every Friday noon, and it's at 710 West Las Vegas Boulevard. We also do gathering after dark, and come the first of the year, we'll – advertise those and let you know when those are going to be. Uh, Probably for now on, looking at doing it on a Sunday night. What do you think about that? Let us know. And we do the uh, cleanup on the third Thursday of each month in North Las Vegas at the corner of Martin Luther King and Cary Avenue, and that's where we clean up around the statue of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That's right. We want to make sure that we keep it looking like something of value because it is something of value. And, of course, once a year we do the annual Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Candlelight Vigil, which is the Saturday before his birthday is celebrated on that Monday. Usually the birthday being on the 15th. This year the Candlelight Vigil will be January 13th. January 13th, right at the Martin Luther King statue. And we do other things, too, but just to give you an idea of some of the things that we do in the community, uh, why we do it, how we do it, and hopefully you will be involved with it, always it is an endeavor to inform, educate, occasionally to entertain, but mostly we're to inform and to educate. Well, oh, and a big shout-out to my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. She's been on a very long sabbatical. I don't know how I'm doing it without her, but... Big ups to her because it made it a whole lot different when she was here with us. Back to today's topic. It is something that is showing up in the news so much more regularly now. 
and I don't know. It's like it's a it's like a illness or something, and too many people around you were coughing, and other people caught it, and then they went someplace else and just spread it. And that is sexual harassment. There are so many complaints of sexual harassment. I'm talking about from the president of the United States down to somebody working inside of maybe a coffee shop. Sexual harassment keeps coming up. Uh, Politicians, entertainers, uh, people in business. Now, not just with men to towards women, but it does seem to be the most that we hear is men towards women. But occasionally it is men towards men. Uh, Terry Crews uh, was a part of the Me Too movement, which is really what sparked so much of this, where another man did a package check on Terry that was not welcome, as a matter of fact, in front of Terry's wife. And a lot of people said with the Me Too movement, well, why did you wait so long? And Terry's response, and I want to share his because he was one of the men who came out. He said, now, Terry, Terry's probably like 6'2", 6'3", maybe even 6'4". The brother probably weigh about 220, and he's like a giant muscle. And the little fella, I say little fella because he's probably like my height. I guess that would be a little fella to Terry Crews. Uh, Terry Crews said he could have crushed him, crushed him like a grape. But he said he restrained himself because of where he was, who he was, and who the individual was, a powerful agent in Hollywood. And because he was a big, muscular black man trying to get his start in the industry. And he knew that if he had did something physical to that individual, that being the big black man that he is around a bunch of white people, that he would have been the one at fault and probably going to jail. So he, he restrained himself physically, but he also didn't tell anyone. He didn't make an official report. He didn't go to the police. And I bring that to your attention because many ask the women, well, why don't you go? Why don't you tell someone? Question it myself. And there's many reasons why they may not tell people. Some legitimate, maybe some not some even for personal gain. But it still does not justify the original act. And the original act was some form of sexual harassment. In some cases, it's even been sexual assault. But I did want to read you the definition so that we're all on the same page of sexual harassment. And this is from the government. And it says, it is, an, uh, it is unlawful to harass a person or an employee. So they don't actually have to work for you. They can be trying to work for you, but they can't be an employee. So it is unlawful to harass a person, an applicant, or employee because of that person's sex. Harassment can include sexual harassment or unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical harassment of a sexual nature. Harassment does not have to be of a sexual nature. However, that is what we're talking about here today. 
is sexual harassment. It can come in multiple forms, but we're talking about a specific form of harassment called sexual harassment. And that's under the EEOC. That's their definition. So in basically, the legal definition of sexual harassment is unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature. That's sexual harassment. Now, there can be a slim line between sexual harassment and, should I say, the dating ritual. So, for example, there can be some subjectivity to this. If a man, we'll just say if one individual sees another individual that they would like to talk to, maybe like to take out on a date, go to the movies with, and you ask that person to dinner, go get coffee, or you just ask them if they'd like to go on a date. That by itself may not be sexual harassment. But then again, if the person who is on the receiving end feels that it is, it could be sexual harassment. And that's a thin line that occasionally we're going to have to deal with because we don't may not know, person asking may not know whether that person doesn't want them to ask or not. So the way that you find out is you pop the question. If they say no, no means no. That's simply asking someone for, hey, can I get you a drink of coffee? And if they say no, and you insist on getting them a drink of coffee, that could be considered sexual harassment. If you touch someone and they don't want to be touched, that could be sexual harassment. Now, we know that sometimes we meet somebody and they say, hey, how you doing? We may shake their hand and we may put another hand on top of theirs. That by itself is not sexual harassment. Now, if that person is trying to remove their hand from yours and you don't want to let them go, especially if you pull them into you, then that could be. So there is a little bit of subjectivity in it, but we're not talking about maybe those gray areas. Let's talk about the areas that are more specific and clear. So if you reach and grab, let's say, someone's breast, and this could be male or female, well, if they did not invite you to touch them in that area, you have just potentially sexually harassed them. And if they didn't invite you, and especially if they told you, hey, or whatever their verbiage is, and you continue to do it or you do it again, you have just been sexually harassing someone. You have just sexually harassed someone. If a person says, you ask a person out on a date, and the person says, uh, thank you, but and they may not even say thank you. I'm just giving you the polite version. But thank you, uh, I'm not interested. Or then maybe they'll say thank you, but no thanks. Now, you might think that that means not right now. So you may say, well, maybe another time would be considered appropriate. But, you know, each circumstance is unique to itself. But if she or he says, no, I'm just not interested, thank you. And you persist 
well, how about tomorrow? You might change your mind. No, I won't change my mind. Well, you don't know that. You might. Well, you are now harassing that person, and you need to stop. And sometimes maybe everybody's looking at something on a document or something, and you want to get closer. And in the process of getting closer, you bump arms. Your arms touch. Eh, that's not sexual harassment. That's just life, living. You're in the workplace, things are a little crowded, you bump into each other. It's no big deal. But maybe you're standing behind the person and they're standing in front of you. Maybe it's a crush of people. Okay, we'll give it that. And in the process of the clutch of people, you're pressing up against that person. Now, if there's a bunch of people crushing up against you and you can't, you're not able to, you know, you're physically restrained, probably not sexual harassment. But if you're grinding on some, the back of someone's thigh and they did not ask you to do that, you know that you're doing something without permission. And if you don't know, you should know. You are now sexually harassing that person. You are physically harassing that person. You could even be considered as assaulting, but that's a more legalized term. So I don't want to get into that. I want to stick with sexual harassment. So you can see that there can be some fine lines, but there are some definitive lines. And most people know when they have gone beyond the line. We're talking about the tribute, sexual harassment being trivialized. So you have the definition of sexual harassment. Sexual harassment basically is an unlawful, it is unlawful to harass a person, an applicant or employee, because of that person's sex. Harassment can include sexual harassment or unwelcomed sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical harassment of a sexual nature. In general, Unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature constitutes sexual harassment. I think the definition is pretty clear. Yeah, there's a little ambiguity on, hey, if I just ask a person out for a date, am I sexually harassing them? Probably not. If you're persistent in asking and they're persistent in telling you no, or maybe they don't even have to tell you no, they're just persistent in not saying anything chasing them around the office, you know you're harassing that person. And if you do not know, then there's other people who are witnesses. And if it's just the two of you, of course it should be reported. But then we have to get into the dynamic. Is one person senior to the other? Because then there's a power dynamic associated with it. Well, if it's just you and I, who will believe little old me? And if I do report this and I am the junior and you are the senior, I am the subordinate and you the senior, what retribution will I have to face? There should be none. But we all know that that's not how the world works. So I, I titled it, Is Sexual Harassment Being Tributized? Tribulized because we have had many people uh, recently, 
and in the past who have been accused of sexual harassment. And I say accused because some of it has not been proven. And until it has been proven, it is an accusation. When there is proof, then it is a fact. Part of the situation that we're in today is many people question facts, question the truth. And it may not involve sexual harassment. It could be other things. And because now what used to be considered fact, question mark, everything is in question. That is a dangerous way to live in this world. It's when fact is still not fact. There are no facts. It is up to the people in power to determine what the fact is. That does not seem like America to me. It is not the America that I read about in the history books. It is not the America that I grew up to believe in. It is something else. But it is what we're dealing with today. As an example, if I say something and it's recorded, and then I say, oh, yeah, that's me, and what I said wasn't proper, I apologize, taken out of context or whatever else. And then later I say, I'm not sure that was me. Maybe that was something contrived. Well, you see how that took effect. And it just changed it. It put doubt. But if if it is you, then don't you have to admit that it's you? Or is a fact truly determined by who is in power? Think about that. Is a fact determined by who is in power? Is a fact determined by what political party you belong to. So if one party says this is a fact and another party says, no, that is not a fact, which one is correct? Well, if one political party is in power and they say this is a fact, is it now a fact because they're in power? And if there's a fact when they are in power, is it still a fact when they are no longer in power? So if party A is in power and they determine that 2 plus 2 equals 4, party B becomes empowered in the next election, and they say, no, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Well, is it a fact that 2 plus 2 equals 5? A fact, because party B is now in power. This is a dangerous state of being in, I believe. When we talk about trivializing sexual harassment, if someone is accused of sexual harassment, even proof is bought that they have sexually harassed someone. And they apologize. And the apologies accepted and they go about their business. And then they 
do something that provokes someone else to charge them with sexual harassment, and they apologize and then go about their business. And again and again, has sexual harassment now been trivialized? Or maybe there is a standard for sexual harassment that is not to be tolerated, and people are required to resign a position or are fired for sexual harassment. And over time, instead of people being fired, they're actually allowed to apologize. And maybe they get some type of censure or letter of reprimand. And then over time, they no longer get the letter of reprimand. They get the censure. Or maybe instead of getting the censure, they get a, not good, but move along here. Or maybe they're told, well, unless somebody can says that it really bothers them, other than this one person, we're not going to do anything. If we look in politics, in politics, it used to be if you conducted yourself in a illegal for sure, in, in more immoral fashion, most of the time people had the honor to do the right thing, which was to resign, remove themselves from that position. And if they would not, they would be forced to by their peers informally or in a formal fashion, some type of legal construct. But there has been a slow erosion of that to where if a person does something, the response is mitigated a little more each time. It's lessened. And so I said trivialize, because I, and I wanted to read the definition to you of trivialize, just to make sure, again, we're on the same page. So trivialize. Make something less important, less significant, or less complex than it really is. Some synonyms to treat as unimportant, to minimize, play down, underestimate, make light of, treat lightly, dismiss, underplay, downplay, diminish, belittle, slang, poo-poo on it. That's what happens when you trivialize something. So today, and there's so much of it that's hitting the news that because of the sheer volume of things sometimes, they can become trivialized. Because, oh, when the first, first time it happens, oh, wow, it's terrible. The second time it happens, it's still terrible. But by the tenth time it happens, oh, somebody else did something. And then maybe even further down, it gets to the point of people just dismiss it. They belittle it. They minimize it. It's downplayed. That's trivializing something. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. This is Rodney Smith. I'm in the air chair today. And our topic for today's show is, is sexual harassment becoming, becoming trivialized? Is sexual harassment becoming trivialized? And I wanted to do this show because of 
you know, you've heard of the, I guess it's Harvey Weinstein. You've heard of Matt Lauer. You've heard of Judge Roy Moore. Uh, You've heard of Bill O'Reilly, Al Franken, President Trump, President Clinton. We've heard of them. But the frequency, the volume of it seems to be increasing. Is it because more people feel emboldened to report it? Is this part of the Me Too movement that's bringing more of it to the public spotlight? Is it more of it happening? I don't know whether it's more that's happening or whether it's because more people feel comfortable or empowered to do it. But there is more that we're witnessing in the public domain. But the treatment of it, there's something different about the treatment of it. One of the other things I wanted to touch on with sexual harassment in the political realm, because in the entertainment business, it seems to be addressed quite harshly. Some may say not harsh enough, but it is being addressed with people being forced to resign, uh, people being fired, people voluntarily stepping away. So there's something that's going on there. But in the political realm, someone said, well, there's no real boss of a politician, of an elected official. So there's no one there really to fire them. Hmm. In sort of general, the way we think of boss, maybe that's true. But almost everybody has a procedure to remove someone. Usually in the political realm, it is impeachment. Impeachment doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty, but it can. And that can be a method of removing you. There's censure. There's some other procedures. These are usually considered extreme procedures, but they are there. Now, what makes, what does make it different in the political realm than in a business realm is, you know, if you're the president and the CEO of the country, you have a board of directors. If you're on the board of directors, you still have the board of directors. You also have those people who are the owners of the company, the shareholders. So there is someone who has some say over whatever is going on and who's going on. But when it comes to politics, often really it comes down to the constituency. In other words, if this person did something wrong, is it up to a body of that person's peers to remove them after they have been elected by their constituents? So if you are a city council person, you know, it's on a fairly low level of politics, just not as in importance, but just as in size. So you're a city council person. You do something. Maybe it was unethical, it was immoral, could even be illegal. And they want to remove you from your position. Should other politicians have power to remove a fellow politician from their position. Usually there is 
some process where this can happen. In the Nevada legislature, I live in Nevada, in Las Vegas, and in the Nevada legislature, not too long ago, Mr. Brooks was an assembly person. Had been voted in. And had been accused of some things, had acted in a certain manner that the Nevada legislature voted to remove him from his position in spite of the people getting him into that position. Now, some people would say they did the right thing because this person was perceived as a threat, was not convicted of anything. This was politicians using their authority in that body. So one of the sort of the slippery slope of this is if I belong to political party A and a member of political party B is accused of something and I get enough votes in political party A without even needing party B's vote to remove that person from office, I have just weakened political party B. They have less votes. So you see how easily this could be a political mechanism to weaken an opposing party. Or maybe political party B is the minority party. And they say that person in political party A sexually harassed them and that they should be removed. I guess what I'm trying to get to is to show how in politics it can be a little trickier because it comes down to power. Who has it? Who doesn't? Who wants it? And how they can go about getting it. Judge Roy Moore in Alabama accused of sexually harassing and assaulting people, but he's not been convicted of anything. He's running for the Senate. So what Alabamians have said is we don't want outsiders telling us who we want in our elected offices. We'll make that decision. On one side, that's fair because you should be able to select who you want to represent you. Now, if that body that that person is elected into feels that this newly elected individual does not meet the standards of that body and they have rules, regulations that could remove that person from that position, that's the authority that they have. And then Alabamians can reelect that person or not. That is the process. President Trump has been accused of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment. But he got elected, and now he's the president. And a, well, that's where he is. Who has the right to remove him when the legal process in America has elected him in that position? Bill Clinton, President Clinton, fair in the White House with an intern. 
Now, I think that these types of things are personal, and it should be up to the family to decide how they handle it. But because it became public and into the public domain, it forced politicians to have to deal with it. And President Clinton was a Democrat, and most Democrats, not all, but most Democrats thought that President Clinton should remain president. Of course, the opposing side, the Republicans, didn't think that. But ultimately, he was impeached, and in the impeachment process, he was allowed to continue as president. I remember saying back then that that was setting a new standard. And it lowered the bar. And because it was lowered at the top, it lowers it every place else. That's how things typically work in society. To show you the significance of what a president does or does not do, we could go back to Woodrow Wilson in showing birth of a nation in the White House. It was as if the president of the United States had said that it was okay for people to be racist, for white supremacy, to have rule, and that there were repercussions throughout the land in acts being perpetrated by people who believed that it was okay because the president said it was okay. The Klan membership increased. Violence against other American citizens, usually white perpetrating crime and sometimes legal acts that today would be considered crime against black people. We have on a, just a general way, remember President John Kennedy, for those of you who are old enough or were alive then or for, if you heard about him in the history class, President John Kennedy had a head of hair. As a matter of fact, all of his brothers had big heads of hair. President Kennedy didn't seem to like wearing hats, so he typically didn't wear a hat. Now, back in the early 60s, men wore hats when they went out. It was customary, different types of hats, but typically a man wore a hat. Stetson, Fedora, they wore hats. But President Kennedy didn't wear hats. And the male hat business took a dramatic downturn because less and less men wore hats. Because President Kennedy didn't wear a hat. He did not come out with a law or a proclamation saying men stop wearing hats. It was simply because his example established a precedent, a standard, and less people, less men started wearing hats. President Kennedy's wife, Jacqueline Kennedy, had a certain fashion sense. She liked the little peel box hats. I think I'm describing it properly. And, of course, other women started wearing those hats, those hats, carrying those clutch purses, because they set the standard. It's almost like they're American royalty without the title, because we just have presidents and first ladies. But as royalty, what royals do, the serfs, the citizens tend to mimic. And it's similar with our presidency. So when President Clinton was allowed to stay in office after his private indiscretions became quite public, Congress sort of codified that standard by allowing him to remain in office. 
in the modern day, we can say that from President Clinton till today, if we can look at how the standard has continued to spiral downward. The theory of gradualism that many of my long-term listeners have heard me speak about is at play, and this is another example. Once a standard is set, it is maintained. But once that standard is lowered and then the new normal, it is more likely that that standard will be lowered as well. And then this continues to happen until almost there is no standard. When it comes to sexual harassment, sexual impropriety of leadership, especially political leaders, and now we're talking about some of the highest offices in the land, from the House of Representatives, the United States Senate, to the presidency of the United States, the standard has been lowered and it's been codified as a lower standard because official bodies like Congress have allowed it, the perpetrators, those who have been involved in such acts, to remain in place. Today, are involved, and I'm talking specifically in sexual harassment. I'm not talking about anything else. I'm talking specifically about sexual harassment. So when politicians today are embroiled in sexual harassment charges, especially when there's proof, the standard used to be that that person needed to step aside and even step down. Today, the standard is, and it's an unofficial standard, but it is a social standard. The standard is, let me weather the storm. Issue an apology, and usually the apology will have something to the effect of, if I did this or that, and if it caused this or that, then I am sorry for causing that thing. And we move on. I am one that believes that there has there should be proof, not just allegations. Because to make an allegation, I don't know you and I could go click on Facebook and if I could send a message out, I could say such and such a person did whatever. So the standard shouldn't just be because someone said a thing. But if a person says a thing and then there's proof to back up what was said and there's nothing to present to counter that proof, then we have to move, I believe we should act, with proof as the standard, not just an allegation. But that's my personal belief. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live. Today's topic is sexual harassment becoming trivialized. Is sexual harassment becoming trivialized? If you want to comment, you can call in at 347-826-9600, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. And from the political aspect, because that seems to be where we have the most trouble, and I would say maybe even greater impact than the entertainment business, is when those things become trivialized, how does it impact the rest of society? And once that thing has been trivialized, then does it make it easier to trivialize other behaviors? Free slope. 
that the theory of gradualism addresses. Now that I can, because typically if a person can get away with a thing, then there is another thing greater than that thing that they will oftentimes attempt. Because there was no retribution, there was no punishment. There was no counter to their action. In business, sometimes it's called the cost of doing business. Well, I know that no matter how hard I try to perfect this whatever, this whatchamacallit, that occasionally there's going to be one that has some type of material deficiency and there's injury that occurs. And, of course, that injury has to be addressed. Maybe they sue, I pay the suit. But I'm still in business, okay? Sort of how it's supposed to work. But then here's another thing. Somebody may say, well, normally I inspect the aircraft every day. But because I have a high volume of traffic, I'm going to only inspect the aircraft every other day because I need to satisfy the demand for my product, which is an airplane. I know that the airplane may have more problems, but usually that's not the case. And even if it did, with the amount of money that I'm making, I can simply absorb that fine following this procedure. Or if I am sued, normally what I'm sued for does not compare to the amount of money that I bought in for this situation so I can absorb it. Or I will simply raise the price of my tickets that the market can bear so that I could continue moving forward, the cost of doing business. If a, the, a politician, when they did something that they weren't supposed to do, their penalty was in excess of what they were willing to pay. In other words, they lost today. That doesn't happen. And then they put it to the people. Oftentimes, it's divided on party lines. If you are party A and you are in a position of authority, you are in elected office, you have the power of incumbency, so more than likely we know that people who are in office are probably going to be reelected 98% of the time. So even though you may have done something that maybe you sexually harassed someone or maybe you were accused of sexual harassment, in the old days people would step down when there was proof. There was proof for it, but you're in the position of power, so you stay in power. And then you say, I will leave it up to my constituents. Well, since constituents in America today are typically Democrat and Republican. If you are a Republican and a Republican is in the seat and that Republican is going against a Democrat and you don't like Democrats because you're a Republican, even though that person did something that was wrong because of tribalism of party dynamics, the same person 
B, would have been fired if they didn't step down, or C, would surely not run for re-election, or D, if they ran for re-election, the people would not support them. In today's divisive political environment of extreme tribalism of Democrat and Republican, you can do something that you should not do. But because of tribalism of parties, there is no cost to you, ladies and gentlemen, is the trivializing of sexual harassment in today's political arena. That is why there is no reason for most people who have been proven, maybe not in a court of law, but with enough evidence. Here's email traffic stating such and such. Maybe here's pictures. Here's eyewitnesses. Things that would normally say, okay, here's proof. In today's world, because of tribalism, usually a person can ride out whatever tempest or storm there is. This is a comment to the American electorate, to the citizens of America, to the voters. What type of world do you want to live in? What type of country do you want to live in? What type of country do you want your children to inherit from you? What type of country do you want to pass down to your grandchildren? Because if it's about power, power alone, is that really America, is that what our founding fathers envisioned America to be? Is that the purpose of our Constitution and the Bill of Rights? Are we morphing into something that does not represent or even resemble the idea of Americanism. America had a high moral standing in the world because of our seemingly higher value system. But what happens, even though the Constitution is still the same Constitution, but it's our interpretations and our acceptance of things that is changing. It used to be called Well, if this is a fact to you, it's a fact to me, because this is the standard that we have. And then something changed, and it changed depending on what you liked or disliked. So maybe today this is the standard, but because you don't like that standard, you just arbitrarily get rid of that standard. Well, if you arbitrarily get rid of standards, then do we have standards? In the military, there are defined standards, codified with regulations. When you remove the regulations, then the standards are subject to interpretation. Then once it becomes subject to interpretation, it depends on the sensibilities of the people doing the interpretation, whoever is in power. In American society today, 
Is there right and wrong? Have we lost our moral compass? Is this something destined to happen due to the theory of gradualism and the lowering of standards? And who are we today? And if this is who we are today compared to yesterday, and this is the trend, who will we be tomorrow, next year, next generation? How does that impact us as a society and as a country? I think we have to ask ourselves these questions. Are we a society, because I want it and I have the power to get it, that it is okay? Because I want to do a thing and I have the power to do it and face no repercussion, it is okay. Is that America? Is that the land of the free? Is that the America that we read about? Is that the America that has been that beacon of hope in the world? Is that the America that President Reagan talked about, that shining city on the hill, that reference from the Bible? Politicians can say what they like. They can even do what they like only as long as the citizens allow them to say whatever they like and do whatever they like. When I decided to run for office, I did it not because I thought I had greater moral rectitude than anyone else. As a matter of fact, I'm a flawed individual. I'm a human. I'm a sinner because I believe in faith. I'm a Christian. tells me is that I should strive to be the best that I can be. I should strive to have the highest moral standards. And on the way, occasionally I'm going to make a mistake. And sometimes it's not a mistake. It's going to be a willful act. The idea is because I'm trying so hard not to do these things, there's less chance of me doing these things. And, yes, there is a penalty to pay if I do not legitimately and freely ask for forgiveness. When you ask for forgiveness because you have been forced to do it, that defeats the purpose and is not the intent of forgiveness. Citizens, we have to reevaluate ourselves. I've made mistakes in my life. I've been a gang member. I've been expelled from school. I've been in fights, didn't steal stuff, didn't do things like that, didn't sell drugs, didn't do anything like that. But I did do things that I should not have done. I felt bad about it. My mother, the person I perpetrated, whatever the act was, again, I had to forgive myself, and I've tried to become better. But the standard was always there. And that's the difference. I believe, not in me, but in society, in political society today, is do you get away with what you can get away with? In other words, as long as you're not caught, it's okay? Or are there firm standards? And if, there, and if it is not, it can only be that way because the citizens allow it to be that way. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I am Rodney Smith. In the air chair solo today, and the title of our show on Our Own Voices Live is Sexual Harassment Becoming Trivialized. Is Sexual Harassment 
becoming trivialized. Hopefully we'll be back here next Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast, which is our regularly scheduled time. Hopefully we will be back then to bring you another show. And until then, consider standards, values. It's important. And what happens when you don't have them and power rules? I would say think about predator-prey. In other words, whoever can kill the other and get away with it can eat them, can control them. Predator prey. Is that what we're becoming in America today? Once again, you've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I'm Rodney Smith. Hope to see you back next Saturday. Please keep your fitness up, watch your diet, and hug someone today. And every chance you get, smile. Talk to you soon. And until next Saturday, be safe. Bye-bye.